Welcome to the Talking Story Podcast, where we believe all of us can have a more purposeful and meaningful, and yes, an even more exciting life. Listen in to inspiring stories about ordinary people who have done extraordinary things with their lives, through their hobbies, their passions, and their businesses. Join your hosts, father and daughter team, Bob and Kelsey, as they travel the world seeking out those whose stories inspire us to do things greater than what we imagined we could. Hey folks, happy Monday. This is Kelsey Walaszewski here with the Talking Story Podcast. Uh, Once again, we just really appreciate that you are tuning in every week with us to hear about a story of an ordinary person doing extraordinary things. And I tell you, it's been an honor to be able to do interviews with people from all over the world. But I do love interviewing people from the U.S. of A. And so today we get to interview Amy Peterson with Rebel Nell. Now, just for you guys, if you were like me, have never heard of Amy Peterson with Rebel Nell. Rebel Nell is spelled R-E-B-E-L-N-E-L-L. So Rebel Nell. And this gal's from Detroit, Michigan. And what's so cool is that her business is about bringing in women who are facing barriers of employment. So a lot of these women are from maybe a local shelter in the Detroit area. And they bring them into their company. And with their now nonprofit, T-E-A-T, they help educate these women and just being a whole person. So they, you know, work with them in finances, wellness, um, entrepreneurship, and then ultimately they transition them into empowering them into independence. They want these women to be able to live on their own, work a full-time job. They don't believe that the jewelry that they're making at Rebel Nell is going to necessarily be the thing that they're going to do the rest of their life, but it's a launching point to get them out of where they were and into something that they want to be in and who they want to be. Um, Very similar to Starfish Project, in fact. So if you haven't listened to episode 13 of the Talking Story podcast, we interviewed Jenny McGee, who's working with kind of a very similar business model, helping women in Southeast Asia, particularly women who have been sex trafficked, and then again, bringing them into a place that provides healing and hope and an opportunity of employment, but ultimately to generate them into new opportunities in which they want to do for the rest of their lives, like accountants and photographers and business owners themselves. So we're really excited. Um, My dad is just going to launch right into the interview. So without further ado, here is Amy Peterson with Rebel Nell. Well, today we're going to be interviewing Amy Peterson. Of course, this podcast, if you've tuned in before, know that it's all about um, talking to ordinary people who are making an extraordinary difference. And Amy and those that are associated with her is doing 
are, they are doing something very unique in the Michigan area, in Detroit. What about wearing jewelry that comes from some sprayed on graffiti under a bridge that fell off, polished and shined up and, uh, and made to look special? Would that be something that you'd be interested in? Maybe at first glance, you might go, really? But if you've seen it on NBC News, the story about a year ago, or watched it on YouTube, you know that these pieces of jewelry can be extraordinary themselves. Amy, welcome to the podcast. We are so glad you are here. Um, tell us a little bit about what is happening uh, in Detroit. We're, we're in this COVID-19 environment. Before we get to jewelry, I know Detroit has been hit a little extra hard, and I have a feeling our listeners would like would like to know just a a little bit about what's happening from that perspective. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, this is you know for for like everybody, we're kind of in this unchartered territory. Uh, Detroit is being hit pretty hard. I know quite a few people who have lost uh, their lives to COVID. Um. It's certainly a scary time, but Detroiters are incredibly resilient. Um, I think there is a, a real grittiness and um, ability to 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 be really incredibly strong during challenging times. Um, you know, we've seen it before, more recently with uh, the recession that hit Detroit the hardest. If uh, and you know, we've come out of that. We were just kind of getting our stride, and then COVID hits. Uh, but, you know, just like before, you've seen communities rally together and and everyone's really taking, at least you know, from my perspective, everyone's staying home and doing what they're supposed to, to help out their neighbors and countrymen. And, you know, I tip my hat to all the healthcare workers who are on the front lines of this one. Yeah, we definitely are feeling the same way, Amy. And uh, speaking of just strength and resiliency, um, part of your story is due to strength and resiliency. You work with a group of women who are, are very strong because they have overcome many challenges that many of us haven't faced and may never face in our lifetime. But we would just love for you to dive into Rebel Nell. And uh, like my dad said, we saw you on a feature on NBC Nightly News and we're like, oh my gosh, this gal is incredible. This company is amazing. The fact that they you know, or I say they, but you guys work with women facing barriers of employment and you're giving them an opportunity to be educated in financial matters and wellness matters. And then ultimately you're empowering them into a life of independence. And so for those of our listeners uh, who don't know who Rebel Nell is, can you kind of maybe share a little bit of your story and background and how you started Rebel Nell? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I um, moved to Detroit in 2007, uh, pursuing my dream job. I was uh, at, at the young age of 14. I knew I always wanted to work in baseball, and that's how really um, how I set out from that early age. I went to college, I went to law school, and went to business school with the sole purpose of having you know as well-rounded a mind as I could, um, knowing full well I'd sort of be competing and heavily male-dominated industry. I was particularly interested in being the first female general manager of a Major League Baseball team. 
Um, and I, yeah, I applied to work for almost every team out there and I have rejection letters are still at my parents' house, um, a box full of them saying thanks, but no thanks. And I, you know, I was at the time just wanting an internship, willing to work for free. Um, and then after three rejection letters, I finally got the opportunity to come and be an intern with the Detroit Tigers. So that's when I moved here in 2007 you know, fell in love with the city. Um, I was so grateful it had given me a shot at my dream. I spent 11 years working for the Tigers and working my way up and um, ultimately made it to associate counsel for them. Yeah, but during this time, I was living next door to a well-known shelter um, that specifically targets women and families. And I would walk my dog and have conversations with the residents there and after enough conversations, I uh, was so impressed with these women because they left really challenging situations in search of a better opportunity, not only for themselves, but for their families. And also, this was around 2012, 2013. Um, you know, Detroit was in the midst of one of the biggest municipal bankruptcies in the history of the country. And um, a lot of supportive programming was was not around or was drying up. And so at this time, my business partner and I thought, um, you know, what if we could create a company that would teach a woman to fish? What does that look like? And that was really the primary concept for starting Rebel Now. We didn't have the product first. Our, our first thought was, how do we create this company that would teach a woman to fish? Um, and that was that was the beginning of it. That was sort of our initial light bulb moment. She had a full-time job. I still was at the Tigers and, you know, we just were doing this more out of a passion project for our neighbors um, than anything else. That's so cool. I, um, yeah, I love the quote that, you know, you kind of are referring to it's, you know, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, but you teach a person a fish and you feed him for a lifetime. And I think that's such a, a neat thing. So can you walk us through kind of where you're, I mean, you talked a little bit about your heart turn, but I think from what I can remember of your story, you were going for a jog and came across a, a wall of graffiti. Is that correct? And then can you take us a little bit more into your journey of how you actually began this rebel Nell? Yeah. Um, it's, it's so crazy. You know, it's, even every time I, I tell people my story or the story of the company, it's still, still is intriguing to me even because I never in a million years thought this is what I would be you know, doing full time. Let's see, what, how did it happen? So we had the mission first and the, the concept, we knew we wanted to um, provide all these wraparound services, but we also knew that we wanted to provide employment. So how do, could we pay them to work. And then while they're working with us, they get financial literacy classes, business education, life wellness, housing resources, and it would be this transitional type of employment. You know, what the heck did that look like? Um, so it was at this that Diana, my business partner, and I just said we, we, we had a common denominator of, of making jewelry. It was, you know, we are always hesitant to say that because by no means are we skilled in making jewelry. I made some jewelry when I was in law school, had a small little business. Uh, she took some classes while she was in college, but by no means are we experts. But it was something that we shared in common. And I went running one day 
in Detroit, saw some um, graffiti that had just fallen on the ground. And I thought, wow, it looks so cool as it is. But underneath was, it was made up of all these beautiful layers. And I thought, what if you could take this discarded piece of, uh, you know, layered material and turn it into something really beautiful. And that was the idea of how to turn this scrap material into wearable art. Uh, we started prototyping it. it, took us about four months until we got to a place where we we're really happy with the concept. And it, it even continued to evolve from that day. Um, but that's when we initially started was in September of 2013. We did it just at a local art fair. We won a small pitch competition called Detroit Soup. And between the two of those things and enough people and the community believing in us and believing in our vision to create this company um, is where we uh, we launched. We just jumped. Amy, um, help me understand when you say you're jogging along and you find some graffiti that fell off. Even I'm having a bit of problem understanding and I watched the YouTube video uh, even as early as this morning. I'm trying to think, is it concrete with paint on it and then that's the raw material or is it just layers of paint itself that becomes hard and that makes a good basis to then make jewelry from that? Yeah, it's really uh, just the layers of paint themselves. Um, we have a really strict no peel policy. We don't touch it. We have a lot of respect for the muralists and the artists. Uh, so we just wait till it falls on the ground. And, you know, due to the climate of where we live and um, the glorious Michigan winters, um, the uh, concrete will expand and contract. And that, uh, in addition to the layers of people contributing art year over year over year, it, it falls and cracks. And so, you know, we'll do a harvest two or three times a year and just go collect the material. That's amazing. So you've referred to a business partner. I think you, uh, her name's Diane. Diana, yeah. Um, yeah. Diana. And, you know, it's interesting because it's not always easy to find a, a business partner, uh, especially as you guys are dreaming up something like this amazing social enterprise. But how did you and her become friends and and? You know, obviously your hearts are aligned and here you are doing Rebel Nell. But can you kind of talk a little bit about her and where your friendship began? Yes. Um, I think it's one of the most important stories and one that doesn't you doesn't get talked about enough. Um, and that we both realize how lucky we really are. Um, I just you know, I was the visionary for this whole concept. My husband and her husband back then you know, we were all just kind of dating um, but our husbands were friends and um, Diane and I did not know each other that well we were friends because of them um, and you know that uh, her husband I told him he's an entrepreneur I told him about my concept he's like oh it sounds really cool my girlfriend is in you know retail world She'd love to be involved more in Detroit. Can you know talk to her about your concept? So it was you know over drinks uh, for her birthday actually in March of 2013. I was like, I've got this you know bonkers idea, but I've talked to some people about it. I went and met with some uh, folks from the local shelter. Told them this concept. You know, I honestly have never even heard the term social enterprise until I mean at least two years after we had started the company. So I didn't really like have a a technical term for what I was even trying to start. Um, and she said, oh, I love the concept. Uh, I'll volunteer when you get it up and running. And I was like, nope, I need someone to do this with me. You know, we both were planning on keeping our full-time jobs. This is going to be a passion project for us. And she's like, uh, okay, 
neither one of us knew <laughs> at the time what we were really signing up for. But how I love that. lucky we are because we have an amazing relationship. We now are, have both taken the leap and left our full-time jobs behind to pursue this full-time. Um, I left to come in August of 2018. She came, um, well, she's almost been there a full year now. And we just have a really great relationship. And I think business relationships, you have to, I mean, sometimes you, businesses are, are like a marriage, right? You go through so much together that you need to have a strong support system. Um, and she's the yin to my yang. And, and it's a it's a good balance. We're, we're, we're grateful that we have each other. That's so cool because, you know, we've talked to a, quite a few people um, who've started amazing companies and amazing brands doing fabulous things to help others. And some people do it alone. And then there have been some that have chosen to go in in a, in a partnership. And, you know, both are incredible. But I do love the fact when I talk to founders and CEOs of partnerships because they do say how important it is to have someone who has their back, who is supporting them. You know, you talk about the yin and the yang who brings strengths where maybe you're weak and vice versa. I just think that's so powerful. So uh, what a cool story. And I love the fact that you guys took that leap of faith. It's not easy. A lot of times people start with these um, dreams and it's kind of a side hustle. And then there is a point in time where it does need to become more of a full-time job. And it's a scary leap of faith. Um, but the fact that you did it a couple years ago, and it sounds like Diana did it a year ago, that is incredible. And so that being said, with this leap of faith, obviously you guys have brought in uh, a lot of women, I'm assuming, for this to uh, be successful and that you guys can make it a full-time job. Can you tell us a little bit about the impact that this has had in your Detroit community? Yeah, uh, it's why we do it. And it's what motivates us. And, and you know, when you think about, even as you were saying, talking to other founders, I mean, I'm not sure I could go through what we're currently experiencing without her, you know, somebody that, that does have your back. And I know she feels the same about me. I mean, managing a small business right now during this COVID crisis is, uh, it's, it's tough. insane. It is. And on top of that, we're putting the women that we serve as our priority. So how do we make sure that even though we're not allowed to manufacture right now, how do we make sure that they're taken care of and covering lost wages for not only them, but the whole team. And it's just, it's a bizarre, scary turn of, uh, it's just crazy, but we are dedicated to it. And I think having someone, uh, you know, when she has a down day, I've got her back and vice versa. Um, sorry, that was a little bit to go no, off. No, 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 it's um, important. As far as like the, why we do it. I mean, we, um, to date, we've hired 27 women out of local shelters. Um, we hire women with barriers to employment. So, um, that's anything from they've, uh, chronic joblessness, homeless, um, we've expanded to hiring refugees and formerly incarcerated. Uh, we do not do background checks. To me, that is not important. I don't care. Well, I don't care about your past. I only care about where you want to go. Um, and we kind of take them through this journey. It's a, about an 18 month curriculum of working with us while they're taking classes. They're actually paid to take the classes that we offer. We offer them through our nonprofit arm called T, Teach, Empower, Achieve. Um, and then Rebel Nell is paying them to take the classes. And then they're also learning the skill of making jewelry. So each piece is one of a kind, not only because of that unique cross-section of graffiti, but because of the woman who made it. 
Um, and then kind of look at it in two parts. The first part of the curriculum is stabilization and breathing. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we work on the, the biggest needs first, getting them out of the shelter and into good housing, um, understanding what their budget is, making sure they can afford their housing situation. Then it's tackling, you know, transportation. Why have you been unable to go back and forth to work? Uh, do we need to help you with bus pass? Do we need to help you with transportation? Getting their driver's license cleared up. Um, and then the next step is taking it a little bit deeper and working with you on credit score. Um, and then the back half of their time with us is now focused on now that you can breathe, what have you always wanted to do? And getting them to, in jobs that are closer in line with their dream. Um, and we're turning a corner too, and a little, uh, we're adding um, customer service to our curriculum because we opened our first retail store in August. Oh, congratulations. Yes, uh, ironically closed right now. Of I know, course. I know. Uh, but uh, we will be um, rolling out um, some customer service curriculum when we go back um, that they will get uh, certified in customer service as well as operating um, a point of sale system too. Well, having done a podcast a week now since October 2019, I think one of the things that Kelsey and I have seen is that there are a lot of uh, terrific people out there doing just great things. But if there is a kind of a weakness with some, it's that they're not marketers. They're good at vision. They're good at follow through. They're good at creation. Um, but you had a, what I would consider a marketing shot in the arm when NBC Nightly News picked up your story. I mean, talk about a coup in the marketing world. Every single person we've ever talked to would love to have that opportunity and have that exposure. Tell us how that came to be. Was Did you know someone? Did they come looking for you? Did they just happen to you put some feelers out and they, they went, went with it? And then how was it really at the shot in the arm that I would assume it, it, it would, would be? Yeah, great questions. Um, because we were incredibly fortunate to get that opportunity and they, and we try, you know, you reach out to people, you send people boxes, you hope to heck they even open the box. Um, but, uh, it's usually crickets. Um, they reached out to us, uh, and they said they had read a story in our local paper, um, about the work that we were doing and they wanted to find time to come shoot, um, and uh, I mean, it was a no brainer, of course, we would love to do it. Uh, so they came in, uh, it was a full two days of shooting. And then you don't really know when it's going to air. Um, and I think what was really interesting is it kept getting pushed back, um, in part because you know, news comes up, news changes things, our story is sort of evergreen. So uh, we would get excited and then we'd get the email saying, oh, just kidding, you guys got pushed back tonight. So we didn't really know when it was going to happen. And it was right before the 4th of July. And my team was all away. I was I was home with my family, like visiting my family. Um, a lot of my team was on vacation. And we got, I think, let me see, it was like June 29th. Um, we got an email from the producer saying, okay, it's going to happen today. And we're like, are you kidding? No way. And then we, we paid, you know, we did some advertising around it to encourage people to watch. So you, you spend your dollars so 
you're so tight with your dollars and marketing, especially in small businesses. Um, and then she wrote back an hour later. She's like, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's not going to no happen tonight. No way. Oh, oh no. You got to be kidding. Like we've been on this roller coaster ride. She's like, yeah, I've just never seen this happen before with so much back and forth, particularly with your segment. And I was like, oh man, okay, well we just, you know, spent a few dollars on ads, but no big deal. We'll figure it out. But now we've communicated it to the whole world or like our small audience. That's being a bit dramatic. Or <laughs> 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 but, um, and then uh, literally 30 minutes before it airs, I get another, I get a text message from her. She's like, change of plans. It is going to be on tonight. Hmm. Oh, you got to be kidding. Um, so I, I texted the staff again, and they're, you know, at this at this point, thinking I'm the boy who cried wolf. Um, we got about, yeah, I would say a fair 30 minutes notice before it hit, and it was it was it was chaos. It was um, it was wonderful. It was great to see so much traffic on our website, um, and then we were able to fulfill it with a really small staff. Like it was wonderful. I am incredibly grateful. We've still seen a lot of. Um, some of the people who who learned about us, it certainly expanded our reach, right? We were we were known in Detroit and kind of the outer or greater Detroit area, but to see so many people buy our products from all over was was overwhelming and truly remarkable. That's so neat. I love that. I love the little segments that news people do just to bring some hope because you get so discouraged by all the negativity. But when you see people like you and Diana doing some amazing things through your business, it's it's incredible. And I'm really thankful that these news um, media outlets will pick those stories up and share them with the world. Uh, a couple more questions. I know we are getting close to our time, but um wanted to, you to maybe go back to the original first few days, Amy, where you and Diana opened your doors of Rebel Nell with this idea of creating a business that, um, again, it, it helps women facing barriers of employment and educating them and empowering them. And a lot of times our listeners, they, you know, we're always encouraging people that they listen to these stories and they either use their time, their resources or their money to better the world. So maybe it's purchasing one of the Rebel Nail products that our listeners will do. Um, some of our listeners are dreaming up social enterprises themselves and want to do something maybe similar to what you guys are doing. And I think it's really important that we kind of talk about the realness of startups because you see what's happened seven years later. You know, you guys have featured, been featured on NBC Nightly News, but when you're just starting, it's not easy and it, things are messy and it's kind of trial and erroring it and figuring out what works and what doesn't. So can you tell us a little bit about how many women you reached out to when you first began and kind of the the journey that they went through in Rebel Nell and how you just loved on them. And I, I allude to a video I saw, but this woman almost described herself as one of the pieces. You know, she kind of said, like, I feel like this discarded piece and that I'm now been turned into something beautiful. Beauty, and I just thought, oh, yeah. I love that. So I don't know if you could just elaborate on what uh, these women have gone through and, and the original ness of Rebel Nell. Yeah. So to answer kind of your first question, um, you know, the startup life, and it is messy and it's crazy and it's ugly. And you've got, you know, with social enterprises, I think you've got a a third layer. Like I think there's, you know, regular businesses, you have, yes, your employees and yes, you have your product that you have to sell with us. We put 
you know, the, the health and well-being um, and the, the transitional like services that we offer is equal to this, the customer. So we kind of think of it as like, we've got two customers. Yes, there are employees, but they're also a customer that we need to serve to make sure that they're getting treated the best and that we can you know graduate them out. And we're such a funky business in the sense that just when we get really good employees, we are like, okay, out the door you go. Where most places of employment, if you get a really good employee, you hang on to them forever right, as long yeah. as you can. Um, so I think, you know, thinking about a social enterprise, you know, you will have to come up with your mission and our mission still to this day. And I remember people telling me when I was writing the, the business plan, you know, it's, it's a mission statement, short and sweet, but that is your North Star. That is what you go to. And they are right. Like that advice is is legit. Like even you'll have opportunities that come your way. And if it doesn't, if it's not serving the women that we exist to employ, educate and empower, then then maybe we shouldn't do it. Um, and so I think that that's just one way to kind of, as you're starting, really define your mission because yes, it, it's messy. It's man, seven years later, it's still kind of messy and crazy. Um, it's just a different kind of messy and crazy. Um, but I, I, it's the best job I've ever had. It's the most stressful job I've ever had. It's the most work I've ever done in my entire life. And I, I still love it and never in a million years thought this is what I would be doing with my life. So it is rewarding. I will say that. Um, but then going back to like the you know, starting the journey with the women and our first hires. Oh my gosh. They were, everybody is, you know, we take coming into rebel now pretty seriously because you're, you become a member of the family and, um, like once you join Rebel Now, you're part of Rebel Now for life. Like we have great relationships with our alums. We're starting to build out even like a really strong alumni network um, that can be there for the next generation. And frankly, our first hire and our Karen and she was our first graduate as well. She now serves on the board of our nonprofit arm for tea, which I think is just such a really cool, incredible story. Um but yeah, they are, I think to see their confidence come in right from the get go when we're teaching them how to make the jewelry is where you see the change happening. That's almost more impactful than the classes, um, just because you can see their confidence coming back, that somebody's willing to make an investment or buy something that they had a vision for is really powerful. And I love seeing that. I love when they make their very first piece after they're trained. Um, and they get to keep their piece. So it's a, it's a part of the, you know, your welcome to the family. You also are now, you know, getting some employee training going on. So that's probably one of, um, still today, my, my favorite parts. And I can tell who made what piece based on their personalities, uh, even to this day, even after having 27 women come through our doors. Amy, it said uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And it's interesting that you guys are making jewelry out of graffiti. And I have a question because I think some of our listeners may wonder this. Um, does the making of jewelry such in that fashion, does it actually encourage uh, graffiti artists? Obviously, there are some that just love graffiti or they wouldn't be out there doing it and think it's beautiful, but there are many who think the 
graffiti is a great eyesore on the community. And wow, if these women are selling jewelry made of graffiti, it's encouraging. They're actually putting a stamp of approval on something uh, that's an eyesore to the community. How do you handle that? Yeah, it's a fair question. Um, I think if in Detroit, um, you know, street art and murals, uh, it's kind of an abundant local resource here. So it's already in existence. Our mayor has done a lot to uh, curtail um, a lot of like tagging. However, um, from the street artist world, there's still a lot of murals being created. And so I guess I, it's been maybe more on the semantic side of thing and something that we just maybe as a company do, do a better job of, of I think communicating, you know, we use graffiti in a really broad stroke and we shouldn't probably to be more fair to the you know, street artists and muralists that are out there. Most of what we're collecting uh, have, are murals, many of which have been commissioned, uh, but that they fall or they deteriorate over time. Also, as part of the culture of street art, the murals are not supposed to last and people are encouraged to paint over them. Um, there are different levels of respect. So I don't I don't necessarily think that we are encouraging it. I think of us more as like we're kind of picking up what would have art what would have fallen on the ground. So I almost think of it more of like a cleanup effort than anything. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I think the other thing too is it's been a great place for Rebel Not to start its company. And I think that will always be maybe part of what we're doing. But what we have learned and we've experimented with a couple other different materials is we like the concept of repurposing stuff. So even as we grow and scale and maybe we move, uh, we open another Rebel Now in another city, um, we look at what are their uh, local resources using local in quotes, because you know in Detroit, there is an abundance here of fallen street art. So we're able to reuse that. But if we move to another city and street art is not as common, but there are women in need, maybe we come up with some other creative um, material to repurpose. I love it, Amy. It, it, we have a gal here on the big island and uh, she um, is called Upcycle Hawaii. And so we don't have a lot of graffiti because we don't have a lot of walls to graffiti, but boy, we have a lot of trash and ocean trash. And so, you know, I always think like, she's not going around being like, please trash our oceans more. She's just going, there is a unending uh, limit, you know, a resource out there of ocean trash, and I'm going to collect it and turn it into something beautiful. And that's- in Reload Love, there's another uh, podcast we did of a woman who's making jewelry from spent bullet casings. You know, again, oh, wow. she saw... She, and they, they help build playgrounds for uh, families in Syria. No one gets into Syria these days, but right. she does. So I love it. I love the fact that uh, you guys take something that does seem to be unending and have just turned it into something beautiful. And your pr- pieces are gorgeous. Uh, last question for you. I have I still have so many, but we just always want to be respectful of your time and our, our listeners' time. But... I love the fact that you guys, Rebel Nell, is a for-profit business. And I get that a lot, even with my business, Moy Moy Market. People are like, oh, you're a nonprofit. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm a for-profit, but I am doing social enterprise and I am a business that impacts people in a positive way. But then you guys have also created a nonprofit and the two, your for-profit and your nonprofit are in collaboration with each other to help these women in a, a bigger way. And 
I, for me, just more out of curiosity, how does that work? Because your for-profit can't necessarily do the education pieces that your nonprofit can do. Is that correct? And that's why the collaboration effort is necessary? Yeah. Um, it's like, so it's, it, there's so many different ways that um, I could talk about this because I think it, is, it was a really important decision for us to make. Um, and we made the decision a couple years ago. And then after the fact, I learned that a lot of social enterprises are doing this or they have a very similar hybrid model if is what they're referring to it. Um, and what I love about it is it it allows us um, some stability with the women that we employ. So how it happens, we give micro loans out to the women, um, kind of no questions asked. And um, it was, man, 2016 was a really bad year for us. We almost shut the whole thing down. Um, on, multiple times. And uh, one of our ladies who was eligible, she said, Hey, me, I need, you know, a, the $200 micro loan. And I said, Oh yeah, of course you, you're eligible. No big deal. And we literally didn't have $200 in our account. And I was like, Oh man. Uh, so I gave it to her personally. I was like, this can't happen. I never wanted to have the ebb and flow of the business impact the resources that we offer the women. So how can we make sure that they're protected, like the classes, because prior to 2016, or actually prior to 2017, Rebel Nell was paying for all the teachers, Rebel Nell was paying for the classes, and how that limited Rebel Nell is that we didn't have any money to spend on marketing or growing the business, and if we don't have sales, we can't employ more women. So how could it work um, if we created a nonprofit arm? So that's how T was born, and uh, we're able to fundraise because we know how much uh, we're going to need to cover the women. We can give you a rough estimate of how many women Rebel Nell is going to employ on a yearly basis. And so they will be always covered. And that has its own board. It has lives a separate life. Um, we have a caseworker on staff who checks in with the women regularly. We have a programs director, like all of that stuff to make sure that they're getting the best care and attention that they need. And then on the other side of that, then Rebel Nell can operate as a business and really just focus on, okay, how do we you know, the marketing efforts, generating sales um, so that we can get more women in the door. So that was a really important and a, I, I think, you know, we're still figuring it all out, but I think that was a, a good decision that we made. And the other, the goal of our nonprofit arm right now is, yes, currently is is helping um, Rebel Nell's employees, but we need a little more beta testing and to get our feet underneath us a bit more. And the goal of that is to start servicing other small businesses like Rebel Nell's. Um, so it, the, the nonprofit arm will kind of have legs of its own uh, soon. It's almost using Rebel Nell as a beta test right now, but then we can go and offer similar services to, there's a lot of small businesses in Detroit that have expressed interest in you know, doing very similar work. They maybe started with a for-profit business first, but now they're talking about how they want to hire returning citizens or veterans. Well, we can come in through our nonprofit arm and offer that type of programming and support, and they don't have to worry about it. That's amazing. I mean, I'm just thinking from a, a business owner myself and just the idea that it takes so much pressure off of, like you said, Rebel Nell with having that nonprofit arm. And then I love the fact that you're looking at extending elsewhere in your community to help other small businesses. And of course, then you're helping more women who are facing barriers of, you know, 
employment. And so it's just the, it's just keeps going the help. And I love that. So thank you for sharing that. I think that will be an encouraging piece for many of our listeners who are trying to figure out how to um, create a social enterprise business and are looking at the ebb and flow and going, I don't know how I can um, keep people sustained through the difficult seasons. And that's what nonprofits are there for. So um we want you to have the last few minutes to tell our listeners where they can find you on social media. Are you guys now in Chicago? I read something about you are starting to uh, maybe maybe it's just taking the graffiti in Chicago or maybe you're now looking at helping women facing barriers in Chicago area too. So not just Detroit. Am I did I misread that? I just was curious. Yeah, last year we uh, did our first, you know, kind of foray into going into an, an, a, di- a different market. And we, um, while we don't have the demand yet to open a production facility in Chicago, we did uh, harvest quite a bit of um, murals that had fallen off the walls in Chicago. Actually, it was kind of interesting. It was a completely crowdsourced. <laughs> Someone sent us a package one day and it was all filled with graffiti from Chicago. And we thought, wow, that's so cool. And then we put some feelers out there just on our social media channels looking for other uh, people who had connections with Chicago street art. And next thing you know, we were getting all this stuff in the mail. So that was kind of a cool story. So then what we did is we launched in the um, in Chicago last year. We uh, did a pop-up at Chicago Trueborn, which is a... Uh, gallery there dedicated to um, street artists and he actually still carries our stuff to this day Uh, and then we donated um, a portion of our proceeds from that pop-up event to um, Deborah's Place which is an organization that does really similar work to the work that we do we just thought it was important to have that local touch point and tie as we're trying to navigate and figure out how to go into other markets it is really hard and we learned so much um, and there's a million things that would do differently, but you have to have those experiences to, to learn and grow from. Um, but yeah, but where you can find Rebel Nell, you can go to our website at rebelnell.com. Um, on there, you can purchase directly online. You can even support the nonprofit arm there if you wanted just to make a donation. You can also uh, go to our retailer section and see if there's a retailer close to you that carries Rebel Nell. And then you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome, Amy. I told you that was my last question. I'm sorry. I have one more because you do allude a lot. And it's, it's the realness. And I love the authenticity you bring here to this interview. But things are hard. It's not easy. And you said you, this is the hardest you've ever had to work. Um, obviously, tapping into these newness, these new market potentials, it's not easy. It's hard. And you know, we started off with the podcast talking about even the season that we're in with COVID-19. You personally, Amy, can we just get to know you a little bit more? How do you, as a founder, as a CEO, how are you able to deal with stress? Do you have any little, like a secret sauce that you're able to do that, you know, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's taking a walk, but even as our listeners are listening and they're dealing with their own anxiety, whether it's with the business or just in their personal lives, um, anything that you found that has helped you in this season of uncertainty and stress? That is, um, that is an amazing question, and I don't really have a great answer. I am a work in progress always. Um, uh, this time is a very stressful time. 
Uh, I think a lot of it for me is going back to, um, you know, having Diana. I think I don't know if I could get through this without having someone like her by my side and vice versa. Um, I think we're, we're good for each other. I do like to go, I get, I like to get fresh air. I like to bike. Um, and when I, I do like to do yoga, I can maybe do about 15 minutes in the mornings if I'm, if I'm having a good day. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to do better at riding the tides. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, thinking when I first started the business, every little thing would get me completely unbound and, you know, I'd go off the rails and, and I mean, my heart must've just, I'm surprised it didn't jump through my chest. Um, and you know, through the life cycles of running a business, you take things in stride a bit more. Um, this COVID situation is certainly testing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I understand. I also really rely where I'm in a great city. I love Detroit very much. And, um, I like pulling women business owners together. It's in fact, I, tonight at 5.30, I'm hosting a uh, all-women business owners virtual chat. We usually do a happy hour, and it's called BYOE, Bring Your Own Entrepreneur, because I want to meet as many as possible. So people oh, are I love that. Bring them and, you know, do them every, I don't know, maybe three or four months. And so uh, this one we're doing virtually. But I, I, I appreciate that. I like knowing, you know, so often as founders, you feel very much isolated and like you're on an island. And so to to meet other people and it does not matter the industry that they're in. Um, there's just a lot of stress that comes from running a business and anxiety and especially during these times. And so just having those conversations with other people is, who are going through similar situations, I find to be really helpful. Well, Amy, um, we want to say a big, big hearty thank you for carving time out of your schedule. And we can tell um, that like all of us, <laughs> life gets busy, life gets stressful. Um, but boy, we're just honored by your heart. Um, you know, you had a great job with the Detroit Tigers and an enviable job, especially for a female. And uh, and then, you, but there, there obviously... And you could just tell there was something, uh, the passion project became your number one project. Kudos, hats off. Uh, that's exactly the types of things that we love to give voice to and love to get extra exposure to. Okay, we're no NBC Nightly News yet, um, but we know that uh, our audience deserves to hear as well. So a big thank you, and uh, and we look forward to uh, to uh, being a little little shot in the arm uh, when this this airs. So thanks so much, and uh, and to our listeners, thanks for Blessings tuning in to you, today. Amy. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you. It, it is because of people like you that keep businesses like ours going. So do not um, undermine your incredible power. And thank you for doing what you do to help us share our story. Wow. Um, Kelsey, I think another very strong podcast interview because Amy, you can just sense her heart, as I mentioned in those closing statements, is absolutely in the right place. I mean, she's given up this, I would think it was a great job with the Detroit 
Tigers baseball team. I bet she's still a huge baseball fan. You don't give up that part. But her heart says, how can I help women who are marginalized, help them be employed, help them be better educated? Oh, they could make jewelry. Again, like you say in the, in the, in the beginning of the broadcast podcast, that um, very similar to the Starfish Project. Um, so she and a partner, um, they, they're making it happen. And, uh, and I just think it's, it's one more example of what we talk about week after week after week. Ex- uh, extraordinary things being accomplished by people who are just like you and me, and just like our listeners. Um, that, but they do one thing that many people don't do. They take that next step, and they launch, and they say, I'm going to take the risk. And that's a big risk to leave professional baseball to start helping women make jewelry. And I think it's interesting because I think listeners need to be aware of it's not like, okay, I'm going to leave this baseball job and I'll start this business. Like you're, there's a balance of both. There's this transition where you still have to balance this full-time money-making job while you're pursuing this new endeavor. You call it a side hustle. I, I call it a side hustle. And then there's some, at some point that the the scale's kind of evening where it's like, okay, I am burning out on this full-time money-making job, but at the same time, this other job is demanding a lot from me. And it looks promising. And it, it looks like the doors are opening. Things are yeah. clicking and people want this. And it's not quite paying the bills, but it's because I'm still working this other job. Now it's time to launch. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's that shift and it's not an easy shift. It's one that I, you know, I ask questions because I'm so often in this stage as probably many of our listeners are in. It's just exploring and figuring out, oh my goodness, there's this desire in my heart and what do I do about it and how do I move forward? So every time we interview people like Amy, I'm just taking notes myself and I feel like it's just one more thing in my life that I can implement and and realize that I'm not alone. You know, sometimes like she was saying that you sometimes feel really alone and in being a CEO or a founder of a, a for-profit or a non-profit, uh, but we're not alone. And so it's really nice to hear other people who are doing things that are similar to what you want to do. And just as they have paved the way that you don't have to pave it again yourself, that you can go, oh, wait, someone's already left me the breadcrumbs and the trail and I can kind of follow that. Now we're all on our different journeys. It's not all going to be the same, but there's a lot of the same principles that we can apply to our, our lives or at least my life. So thanks for tuning in once again to the Talking Story podcast. And as we often say in closing, uh, we love it when you subscribe. We love it when you share it. We love it when you take uh, a photo on your phone and you put it up on your social media platform, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, and say, hey, I think you might enjoy this. So once again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being part of the Talking Story podcast family and uh, we'll you'll be sure to catch another one uh, because we'll be sure to make sure it's available next Monday thanks again thanks for joining us today on the talking story podcast we hope you feel encouraged and inspired be sure to visit our show notes for more information and find us on social media at the talking story podcast your hosts Bob and Kelsey want to hear from you be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review Oh, and big mahalo to our sponsor of today's podcast, Moy Moy Market. 
a one-stop shop to purchase products with purpose. We truly believe you have it in you to change the world too and to make an amazing difference in the lives of others.